Okay, this morning I want to do, I don't know if I've ever done this before, but what I want to do is I just want to uh, read the scriptures. I'm going to read a lot of them because what I want to do is, and then I'll preach maybe a little bit about them, but the word of God, when we will listen to it, and even when we read it ourselves, has so much to say to us has volumes to say to us. And the only reason I want to do it this way is just to show you and God showing me that, that any of us can do this. We, we can do this, you know, and of course we need to come together and allow God to teach us and show us things and, and, and come with our own portion. But it's, uh, and when God gives me a, a message or he has something that he wants to say to me and and, and through me to give, he just will come right in with the scriptures like, whew. and I just want to read these, and I'm going to read them in the Amplify. The reason I'm going to do that is because um, it can give us a better understanding some a lot of times than the King James, and it will explain certain things that God really has for us that aren't so much brought out by other translations. And so that's what I want to do. I want to read, read these scriptures this morning. And if I was going to title this something, and this is something, again, I don't normally do, but I would title this How to Know the Will of God. Because that has to do with every single thing about our lives. We want to know. Okay, so if I want to know who I am, it's going to be found in the will of God. If I want to know about others, it's going to be found in knowing the will of, the, of God. In the midst of all my circumstances and situations, no matter what I face as a believer, to get understanding about them and to know how to function in them, then I must know or I want to know the will of God about everything. So that's what this has to do with. And then I'll just read some scriptures. And if we really listen to them, they're, they're going to speak volumes to us. I mean, honestly, I mean, they really will. And I'm sure all of us have seen that in our own lives. But we just open the Bible. We have a need and and uh, that will happen. And, and I'm not saying... And, and I'm not saying we don't need pastors and evangelists, pastors and teachers, of course, because it's true we do need them. That's the way God does it. What he usually does is he will give it these amazing things through and to a few for the benefit of the whole, for all of us. That's just the way he's done it. We can, you can, if you look at your Bible, you'll see some men's names like Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Well, was it just given to them? Was it of them? Or did they get what they got from God for themselves, for all of us? Of course, and that's the way that God gave it. So I'm just going to read some scriptures, and this is going to tell us through these scriptures how that we can always know the will of God. And then when we can function in that, it's our greatest and only uh, protection. So the first one I'm going to read is in Psalm 32. And again, it's going to be in the AMP, which is short for Amplified. And 
So if you want to hear sometimes guitars better, well, they've got to be plugged into an amp or amplify because it amplifies the sound or the, uh, so that we can get the meaning. So Psalm 32 says this, I, the Lord, will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Verse 9, be not like the horse or the mule, which lacks understanding, which must have their mouths held firm with bit and bridle, or else they will not come with you. <laughs> Many are the sorrows of the wicked, Verse 10, but he who trusts in, relies on, and confidently leans on the Lord will be compassed about with mercy and with loving kindness. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you uncompromisingly righteous. You who are upright and in right standing with him, shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Okay, then in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew 6. I have to turn to all these places. I put these little markers in, but they're so small. It doesn't do much good. I still have to do the turning. Okay, so Matthew 6, verse 19 to just the beginning of verse 24. Do not gather and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and worm consume and destroy, where thieves break through and steal. But gather up and heap up and store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust nor worm consume and destroy, where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is sound, your entire body will be full of light. But if your eye is unsound, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the very light in you, your conscience, is darkened, how dense is that darkness? And then just the beginning of verse 24, first sentence, no one can serve two masters. Okay, and then in John 8, Verse 12. This is what that says. In John 8, verse 12, it says, Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light, which is life. And then in John 9, verse 4, it says, We must work the works of him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. And be busy with his business while it is daylight. Night is coming on when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the world's light course and this is going into the story of when he healed the blind man okay 
So then, let's see, we're going to turn to First Corinthians. And by the way, this is how any of us or any pastor or any man who does the preaching, this is how the preaching comes. It comes through all these words that I'm giving you, all these scriptures, right? So, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, but, but the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing, understanding, and becoming better acquainted with them, because they are spiritually discerned and estimated appreciated. Verse 15, but the spiritual man tries all things. He examines, investigates, inquires into questions, and discerns all things. Yet he yet is himself to be, to be put on trial and judged, and really the better word even in the Amplified, one little area I don't think they got it right, is discerned by no man. So when Someone who may not be a believer or may be a carnal believer, not walking in the light and revelation and being led by Christ, will look at your life and without discernment, having the mind of Christ, all that they can do is judge you based upon their fallen nature. That's what judging is. That's what judging is. So that's all that they can do. So in a sense, they got it partly right, but really the word is, and judged or discerned by no one. He, the spiritual man, obviously, can read the meaning of everything. And the reason that he can is because he's led by God, the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ through the word and showing them in light unto him so he doesn't walk in darkness. And the darkness simply would be, and we'll see it in other scriptures, we'll see what the darkness is. And our only option is when we don't walk in the light, the revelation and illumination of the word of God by the Holy Spirit, all we're left to walk in is darkness. That's all that's left for us. And we, we read it. It's a very dense darkness. And it cannot be penetrated by anything other than the light. And of course, we see very clearly in the scriptures that Jesus is that light. And to know the will of God, and remember in John 4, and I didn't get to read this one, but I will quote it. In John 4, verse 34, Jesus said, my meat, my very sustenance, is to do the will of him and to finish the work. So when it means to know the will of God, it means that the only way that we can walk in the will of God is to walk in who Jesus Christ is because he, the only one who is the word, is the only one who ever fulfilled the will of God. And that is going to be revealed to us 
through the light of the scriptures, and the light of the scriptures is who Jesus Christ is. And for us to understand them, we need a power source to light them up, and that's the Holy Spirit. So, that's why the spiritual man can read the meaning of everything. But no one can properly discern or appraise or get an insight into him. Anyone that walks out the light of Jesus Christ, the the light, the understanding, the only measure that he can measure anybody else with is darkness or the analysis of the flesh. And we know who the father of the darkness is and who daddied all of us in the fallen nature would be Satan. So we can see very clearly then in verse 16, this is what it says, for who has known or understood the mind, the counsels and purposes of the Lord so as to guide and and instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have, and here's the answer, but we have, we, all those that are his, and all those that function in him, who is the word, who is the very will of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the mind of Christ, and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Remember what we read? For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Who's our treasure? In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it's Jesus Christ. The heart there speaks of the mind, how to think and understand. And we are to never think or even try to begin to understand anything about God outside of Jesus Christ. Because he is the full thought. He is the full mind. He's the full manifestation. He's the full declaration. He's the full revelation. He's the full illumination of everything about who God is. That's how we know the will of the Father. The only way that we know the will of the Father is to function in the Son who fulfilled all the will of the Father. He's the one who's done it. And so now we can turn to, you don't have to turn there, and by the way, I was kidding the other night about turning to the scriptures. I'll, you know, well, let me turn, you know, I'll turn for you because it's, it's, we're taking notes and it's much easier to do that. And I, I understand that. So in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, oh boy, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we do hold and engage in this ministry, by the mercy of God, granting us favor, benefits, opportunities, and especially salvation. And that always speaks of deliverance. And God, you know, through Jesus Christ is going, he not only delivered our soul from hell, but he's going to continually bring deliverance based upon what he's done in our life all the way through this wilderness experience on this earth. He's the begin. he's our beginning, we said in Revelations 1.8, he's our beginning and he's our end. We have our true beginning only in him. And he will always be our eternal end. So, 
We do not get discouraged whew, seeing how we have this ministry. Now, that's not saying that we don't, but we don't have to, and when we do, this is always what we can adjust to. We do not get discouraged, spiritless, and despondent with fear or become faint with weariness and exhaustion. We have renounced disgraceful ways, secret thoughts, feelings, desires, and underhandedness, the methods and arts that men hide through shame. And this simply is teaching us that all of that, when it says we have done that, we did that when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, because he's the one that dealt with it all. He dealt with all of this. We refuse to deal craftily, to practice trickery and cunning, or to adulterate or handle dishonestly the word of God. But we state openly, clearly, and candidly. And so we commend ourselves in the sight and presence of God to every man's conscience. It's very important. But if our gospel, and it's all ours, so Paul is saying it's all of ours, because everything that God gave Paul is ours, as much as it is his or anybody else's in Christ. It's all ours. But if our gospel, the glad tidings, also be hidden, obscured, and covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God, it is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured only to those who are spiritually dying and veiled only to those who are lost. Yeah, because they're operating in darkness. They're operating under the prince and power of the air, and a lot of Christians find themselves that are his operating in darkness because they don't have the proper light, the proper teaching, the proper preaching of who Christ is in them and who they are in Christ, and they never know who they are because they don't know the one who is in them, Christ, who has fulfilled all the will of God, and they can know everything about God. They have in everything in their life, they always have him to adjust it to. And then they can know. So it's hid to those who are lost. For the God of this world has blinded the unbelievers' minds that they should not discern the truth, preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image and likeness, the exact being God himself. <laughs> who else could fulfill God's will other than God? <laughs> and God fulfilled all of his will towards us and about his will pertaining to angels and to men through the humanity, the impeccable, and impeccable humanity simply means it's not capable of sinning. And that's why we teach. Could Satan really tempt Jesus Christ in impeccable humanity? Oh, and by the way, with deity in him. No. Could never happen. And never did. Who is the image and likeness of God. For we, for what we preach is not ourselves. 
but Jesus Christ as Lord. You know what this is teaching right here? Who, who is our authority? Who's our only authority? It's Jesus Christ, the Word of God. He's our authority. So for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves merely as your servants, slaves, for Jesus' sake. So if there's a position of leadership, or a pastor, or a leader, who is he? He is a slave in the service of Jesus Christ for his precious body, his sheep. It must tell me that the issue with Jesus Christ must be his sheep. And everything about the pastor is him being in Christ for the sheep and never the sheep for the pastor or the leader. That's what he's selling. And Paul is saying, literally, I am not your authority. I have authority. I've been given authority to preach the authoritative word of God that's all of ours when we receive it and function in it. And Christ is your, your authority. And that's what we are, and we do it as slaves for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts, so as to beam forth the light, Jesus Christ, for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. See how that all works? It's beautiful when we can understand it. It really is. However, we... We there, you can put your name there because that's who we is. All of those that are in Christ that have been bought and paid for as his own in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. However, we possess this precious, precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel. The light is Jesus Christ. John 1, 3 and 4. You'll see it very clearly. So Jesus is the light, and that's why it's called the gospel. That's why it's good news. That's what gospel means. It means God is spelling out. God spell. That's literally where it comes from. God spell. God is spelling out through the light of who Jesus Christ is, who he is. Oh, and by the way, when we get to know who he is, we get to know who we are in him what he's accomplished, how much he loves us, and who he is in us. So, however, we possess this precious, precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.21, we don't glory in men. And that's why he said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of Jesus Christ of whom the world has been crucified unto me. So I will never find satisfaction in it. But we'll find plenty in Christ in the world. Oh yeah. Of whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. And that's what he'll glory in. And that's what we glory in. We glory in who accomplished for his father and for us what needed to be done in terms of the will of God 
on the cross through Jesus Christ. And so then we come to this, and we're going to be wrapping this up soon. Then we come to these verses in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says this, For this reason we also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. I could say, what is the way of God? But much better, much better. You know what Jesus said in John 14, verse 6? He said, I am. The same I am in Exodus 3, 14. He said, I am, what? The way. <laughs> it's the Greek article to its point. It's, it's, this is the way to God. That's it. You want to know God's will? You got to do it. You got to receive God's way. To receive God's way, you've got to receive God's word. Because we are in this earth. And it's very dark. And we need to see our way through it. And not only do we need to be lit up with all of who Christ is in us and who we are in him, but we become those lights for others to see. But they can't see in and through us beyond what we see of who we are in him and who he is in us. So Colossians 1 verse 9 says, For this reason also, from the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you may be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. What's the purpose of God for us as believers? Okay, who's the way? He's, it's Jesus Christ. Who's the light? It's Jesus Christ. Who's the word? It's Jesus Christ. Who's the truth? It's Jesus Christ. Do we have a need to know Jesus Christ? To know the will of God? To really know what God is like? The disciples, especially Philip in John 14, verse 8, said, show us the Father. And then Jesus said in John 14, verse 9, if you've seen me, and boy, it's, it's, very, it's imperative to see, isn't it? We need light so that we don't walk in darkness. If you've seen me, You've seen the Father. How do I see God's way in my life? But through his word. And who is his word? It's Jesus Christ. And he's the truth. He's the only one that can light up our way through this path of darkness. So he's given us this understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Why? That you and I might walk, live, and conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things, bearing fruit, okay, who, his, who does Isaiah say gave us the fruit of the travail of his soul in Isaiah 53, verse 11? Who is the fruit of God that becomes ours through the Holy Spirit? It's Jesus Christ. Remember what he said in John 15, verse 1? I am the true vine. I'm the one who has produced fruit. 
so far, God is allowing us to see very clearly who's the issue, who's always the issue. It's, it's Jesus Christ. That you and I may walk worthy, worthily in a manner fully pleasing to him, desiring to please him, bearing fruit in every good work and steadily growing and increasing in, and by the knowledge of God with fuller, deeper, and clearer insight, acquaintance, and recognition. And then we see in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Philippians 1 says this, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more, and extend to its fullest development in knowledge. See? Knowledge. And all keen insight that your love, the love that we're loved with by Jesus Christ through God the Father at all times, that your love, the love that you and I are loved with, may display itself in greater depth of acquaintance and more comprehensive discernment so that you may surely learn to seize what is vital and approve and prize what is excellent and of real value, recognizing the highest and the best and distinguishing the moral differences, and that you may be untainted and pure and unerring and blameless so that with hearts sincere and certain and unsullied, you may approach the day of Christ not stumbling as a result of darkness or not knowing, truthfully not knowing who we are in Christ and who he is in us, not stumbling and thereby causing others to stumble or really to not know. See? And then we'll see in 1 John 1, verse, verse 7, First John 1 John 1.7 says this. But if we really are living and walking in the light, as he himself is in the light, in other words, he can only be in who he is. That's what it's saying. God can only be in who he is. And we can only know him in everything that he's done only when we be in who he's made us to be in his son. Oh, my God, it's amazing. It really is incredible. As he himself is in the light, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another. Oh, my God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt. In other words, it's a continuing process. It was done once but it'll have eternal effects. And keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. In our thought life, it keeps us clean. It keeps our conscience clean. When we think with God through Jesus Christ, who is the word, he's the light, he's the truth, and he's the fruit. 
and even the fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where it's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's only of the Holy Spirit in the sense that the Holy Spirit, God, in his function now on the earth, takes what's of Christ, his fruit that he won in Isaiah 53, verse 11, the travail of his soul, the fruit of the travail of his soul, and makes it known unto us so that we never function outside of how God sees us in a love that's perfect and complete in itself. So what this is teaching is this in 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7 is really teaching this. It is never teaching, first and foremost, you should behave like this. It's not teaching that. It's teaching that this is our character in Christ. It's the very character of Christ reproduced in us through receiving him. Why? How many scriptures did we read that he's the light? John 9, 5. John 8, 12. He's the light. John 1, 3 and 4. He's the light. And that life was the light of men. He's the light. And he's the light that lights every man in John 1, 9 that comes into the world. He's the light. And what it's teaching there is this. When he says, walk in the light... King James will say walk, and that means allow your life only through dependence upon who you are in Christ. Walk speaks of to be governed only by how God sees you through Christ. Because it's teaching this is your character. This is who you are in God's sight. So when you walk in it, Your conduct is absolutely in accordance with your character. You will only behave who you are or what you receive of who you are in your character. This is who we are. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 5, and Ephesians 5, verse 8 says that we are children of the light. Is there any, or was there ever any darkness in Jesus Christ? Was there? No, he's the light. And is he our life in Colossians 3, verse 4? Is he? Then that's who we are in God's sight. Should we receive anything other than that? Should we function any other way? Should we? Well, I'll read a couple more and then we'll be quiet for a while, I hope. 1 Peter 1, verse 9. Oh, well, I can read verse 8 too. Without having seen him, you love him. I mean, really, I'm not, how, how many have ever actually seen Jesus Christ in the flesh? And by the way, Anyways, I don't want to get into that part of it, but none of us have ever really seen him. But do we love him? And if we do, how and why? <laughs> we love him, obviously, because he's very real. And we love him because he, he definitely, the one we can't see, oh yeah, we know his love, his intimate love. 
We've experienced it. And though you do not even now see him, you believe in him and exult and thrill with inexpressible and glorious triumphant ah, heavenly joy. Oh boy. What's the result of functioning in the cause of his love? It's always the effect of joy. Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Verse 9. And at that same time you receive the result, the outcome, the consummation of your faith, your absolute dependence through the word is the deliverance of your soul. In other words, you'll keep living, being delivered from whatever is not of him. Whatever is not of who you are in him, that will never ever happen to you. Right? This just won't happen. So, in reality, then, we don't ever have to live in 2 Peter 1, verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities, and we can lack them by not functioning in who we are, even though they're ours. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, walking in the dark, not knowing, is blind spiritually, short-sighted, has become oblivious to the fact, the divine facts, that he has and was cleansed from his old sins. And one of the tricks of Satan always tries to do this is he always wants us to live in the past and by the way the moment you and I receive Jesus Christ as our savior our past everything about the old was done away with old things 2 Corinthians 5 17 are passed away all things have become what new in him <laughs> we have no past oh yes the greatest counsel that you and I can receive is that we don't have a past. We have Jesus Christ. He is our life. But Satan wants to, through us receiving the lies of darkness, in whatever way Satan tries to manifest that, is he wants to use the past to rob us of present blessings and the hope and guarantee of the glorious future that's ours that's what he wants to do so we don't want to walk in blindness you see all through the gospels the synoptic gospels and even in John what was Jesus one of the main healing things that he was doing he was constantly healing the blind and giving them sight you see it in Luke 4, 18. You see it in Luke 7, 21 and 22. He was always healing. He was healing them. And in a type, in a spiritual sense, God is in the business of continually. Psalm 107, verse 20, he sent his word. Okay, who's the word? Who's the light? Who's the truth? Who's our life? He sent his word and he healed them. 
and delivered them from all their destructions, plural. Anything that could come against us to destroy us, because we know in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life, that we might have him as our very life. And then what? Experience an abundant life. Remember what he was saying to the church of Laodicea? Jesus was speaking to the church of Laodicea. And one of the things he said about them in Revelations 3, verse 17 is, you are blind. You are completely unaware of what is yours. And basically then, you don't know how to act or conduct yourself in the character that is yours because you have no truth about who you are. So you live in uncertainty and you're mine, you're Christ's, but you can live in uncertainty. Listen, and we'll close this with this. God's will is no different than God's knowledge. You can't know, and I can't know, what God's will is apart from knowing. <laughs> right? What is your will? Well, my will will be revealed through knowledge. And the, there's an immense, immense amount of importance in how to connect those two. What is your will for me, God? What is it? What are we asking when we want to know God's will? We want to know who we are. Define who I am. This circumstance or this situation is challenging me. It's challenging me. I need to know who I am. And I need to know who you are. That's what we're always asking. We've mentioned it before. Who am I and who are you? Those two things are very vital. But the only way that God can be and must be known is to know him intimately. If there's anything lacking, mostly that I see, has been, and I'm growing in it, but really lacking in Christianity is intimacy. The intimacy involved with what the one person in Christ in their life. And then coming together, all of us, in that intimacy, and what do you have? Oneness. You're not a, there's no fear in being intimate. And then there's no fear with being vulnerable. Because the truth of the matter is, we all are. But we're made safe in who Jesus Christ is. And that's who we are. But we can't walk worthy of him. We saw that in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. We cannot walk worthy of him without the desire of him walking with his son and him in intimacy. <laughs> I think men, I think that's the thing that they fear more than anything. The natural man is intimacy. Somehow they bought the lie that it's you being less a man by being vulnerable or being intimate. But that's God's way. That's the only way for you and I that we can grow in the knowledge of God's will for us is through intimacy. It's the only way we can. And by the way, it's the only way to walk worthy. The one little Greek word is axios, of the word worthy, 
And you'll see it again in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. And it means to walk with Christ. This is what it means to, to walk worthily. Watch. To walk with Christ in an intimate way so as to bring praise to him. Well, who's it going to bring praise to first? It's going to bring it to you and I. Because when I walk in intimacy with Christ, oh, I know who he is, and I know who he is in me and who I am in him. And it's a lot that gives us to praise him for. Then we don't have to walk in the darkness of anything else. We don't have to. And thank God if we do, we always have him to adjust to. But we don't have to walk in it. What? We can be his written epistle. 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians 3. And I, I just want to read that real quickly and then we'll go on and finish up. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this. Are we starting to commend ourselves again? Oh boy. Now that we really, are we starting to make an issue of ourselves again? When he's not the issue, I lose focus of who I am in him and who he is in me, and then I start making me the issue. There's where all the darkness is. There's where the trouble is, and so forth. Are we starting to commend ourselves again? Or, or we do not. Like some false teachers, boy, I wish, can you imagine if so much of so-called church leadership, I wish they could hear this this morning. Let the scriptures speak. Listen. Or do we need, or do, or we not, do we not, like some false teachers, need written credentials? Oh, ooh. I mean, you know, this is written in the Word. I didn't write it. Or letters of recommendation to you or from you? Do we, do we, that's what he says. No. Listen. If anyone needed a recommendation, for instance, of myself, right? This is what he says. You, yourselves, are our letter of recommendation. <laughs> you, yourselves, are our credentials. In other words, am I preaching? Did Paul preach himself or did he preach Christ? I'm not going to commend myself. Don't have to. What are my credentials as far as God's concerned? Christ in you. The proof of Christ being in you. You being taught who he is. I'm being taught too. Right along with you. We don't need him. No, you yourselves are our recommendation, our, our credentials written in your hearts. What do you have written in your heart? That Christ through him was teaching himself through the Holy Spirit. That's my credentials. It's the only ones I need. The only ones I, I want. To be known, perceived, recognized, and read by everybody. But if you need recommendations from men, men's approval, you're never going to see who I am in Christ and you'll never see who they are in Christ. Ever. You won't. You show and make it obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us. Hey, I got some news. Hey, does the mailman make the news or does he deliver it? And just got little old deliverer. Yeah. What did Moses, how did Moses do any delivering? 
Was it God through him? Listen, I'm just a mailman, little old mailman, and I'm delivering the news. And, and the news blesses me. It allows me to know who I am in Christ when I function and who he is in me. Same thing for you. Do you ever wonder who delivers the mailman's news or his letters? Someone else probably has to deliver it to his house, huh? We're so reliant on God, believe me. So you show and make obvious that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. In other words, not some written recommendation by a man. Get away with that. But with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the reliance and confidence that we have through Christ toward and with reference to God. Not that we are fit. This is really how we should, any leader or pastor or any of us really, should really see ourselves. Not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient in ability of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability sufficiency are of God it is he who has qualified us making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers I'm a dispenser I am a slave of Christ for you as a dispenser or as a little mailman here's the mail okay here's what I want you to deliver okay God Oh, this is good news. I want to deliver this. Yes. Of a new covenant. Of salvation through Christ. Of constant deliverance through Christ. Not ministers of the letter of legally written code, but of the Spirit. For the code of the law kills. It kills. Anything that comes from any man, I don't care who he is. And it doesn't come from God. It's a killer. It kills. It kills. Anything that's kept out will keep us living. That's not ours will keep us living in darkness or separation and death. When we're not even for a second separated from how he sees us. But the Holy Spirit, not a letter of the law, but the Holy Spirit makes alive. In other words, it's constantly imparting the life of Christ and reality of who we are. The Holy Spirit is the illuminator of the revelation, the truth of who we are. That's the news that I'm, by the pure grace of God, delivering. See? That's who it is. So, we'll close it with this. Listen. We have to walk worthy, and the only way we can walk worthy is to walk in the intimacy of who we are in Christ, who he is in us, to the glory of God the Father. And that's the only way we can grow. That's why believers don't grow. You cannot grow apart from the intimacy of an intimate, personal relationship with God, 
through knowing the will of God, through the word of God, and then bear fruit and grow. It's the only way it can happen. That's what it is. And then it brings him praise. And then we have knowledge. How do we know the will of God? Okay, who's the knowledge of God? Jesus Christ. Who's the will of God? Jesus Christ. That's right. And knowledge here is epinosis. And what does epinosis mean? It means to fill full. God is saying, listen, I, I don't want you just to know gnosis, perception. I want you to know intimately who you are in my son and who you are in him. And I want to fill you full of who he is. That's why this is not my theology or some other name before theology. It's all ours. And that's why I teach the only theologian and the only scholar that there is is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one that's capable through a vessel to take the things and to show us what's ours in Christ that came from God. So that's what he has for us. So that's how we walk worthy. And what a tremendous thing it is. Because the end of all, the end of all knowledge has to do with character. And knowing who I am in character brings out who I am in my conduct. That's the true end of all knowledge. It's to know him. Paul said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know him. Because in knowing him, I know who I am in him. And I know the Father's will. I know the Father's way. And I can function in the fruit of who I am in him and have it reproduced in my life. Because it's the what's the only cure for all the evil that's in the world is an intimate relationship of knowing. That's what it is. And then it is through the will of God and through intimacy we come to know that it's a precious will that we should be able to discern only according and we can only know who God is based upon what our conduct is at that moment or our state or the condition that we're in can I know who God is when I function outside of who I am in Christ do I even know who God do I know his will do I know his way I don't so it's only according to that and what is our occupation through intimacy with him this is our, our only occupation is to keep close in him who we are in him and who he is in us so Lord we thank you for the truth of the scriptures we thank you for the truth we thank you that we don't have to walk and we don't have to give anyone else we don't have to give away Christ as our authority in exchange to make anything else our authority because when we don't have his authority, the authority of his love in us, and his, his ruling, and his reigning in us, <clears throat> then fear becomes our authority. Then comparing becomes our authority. Then Satan wants to bring in the past of which we don't have anymore, which Christ dealt with, 
to cause us to live in the lies of it so that we begin to function in it and, and, and have to pay in, again in the emotions of it all and relive it again in the lie. So we can just function in you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.